Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. The Bible says here in Joshua, God told Joshua, remember Joshua and Caleb, they had the right stuff within them. The children of Israel in the wilderness, they heard the message, they heard the same message, but they did not enter into the promises of God because they didn't mix within their spirit. They didn't take the stuff that they heard, come on, and mixed it together in their heart. They were moved by what they saw. But God, but Joshua and Caleb, when they got to the Jordan and saw the promised land, they saw the same things everybody else did. They didn't deny what was out there. But what they said was totally different than what the others said. And God saw that. God heard that and said, now you got the right stuff. Everybody else, well, you stay on this side where you, where you desire to stay because you see it too, too hard, too complicated, too big to go in. He said, you, can, you just camp right there then. And whenever you pass away, these two guys are going in with your children. Isn't that something? I believe we're the generation that's going in. And let me just say this. There's never an end to the first. You, got, you enter in. I'm, I'm, I pray that each every one of you have entered in in the spirit. And, and you're, walk, you're going to walk it out. You made a decision. I'm crossing over. No matter what, how big the wall is in Jericho. No, no matter how big the mountain is and how many giants is on that mountain. No matter uh, all of those other things that, that rise up and that you see. That is against what God has said you can possess, what you can have, who you can be, who you are. Instead of looking at all of the things that are not what you have heard, you need to see what God has said and begin to say and believe and stand in that. And possess it and possess it and go towards it in the spirit and in the natural. God told Joshua, He says, Listen, you can do it and you're going to do it. Look in verse 6, Joshua chapter 1. It's time for them to enter in. Moses has died. Moses had. Put a lot in to Joshua before his death. Verse 6 says, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. This is the promise made to Abraham. Aren't you glad today that you have the promises and the blessing of Abraham? That's what the Bible says. In Christ, the seed is in you, which is that seed is Christ. Galatians 3.16. I've taught on this. You can look back on that if you like. But it says, Be strong of good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Now he said it twice, didn't he? Verse 6 and verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Come on, you're going to have to have that right stuff in you. You have to be strong and courageous. I tell you, it takes strength and courage to... See what God says. 
act on what God says, instead of being moved by what you see and what you hear in the world, it takes strength and courage to do so. But where does that strength and courage come from? He says, do these things, be strong and courageous that you may do or observe to do all according to the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Other translations say it a bit differently. Other translations say, no, you obey the things that Moses taught you. And how many of you today, we need to be people who say glory to God. And let me just say it like this. Now, we know we have the Holy Spirit, which is our helper, our teacher, our God, who will help us to understand, even bring revelation and spirit of wisdom. But you know, God also is giving gifts to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today to help in the area of discipleship and the teaching and the raising up. That's why many women are called to make disciples. We're called to make disciples. Jesus didn't say, now, y'all don't worry about it. I'm going to make all the disciples. You don't have to make disciples. No, he said, now, you go into all the world and make disciples. Teaching them to observe everything that I've told you, that I commanded you. Here we see it the same understanding. And that's what Moses did with Joshua. And then he tells him to follow those things, to obey those things, and to do those things. And he says, the things that my servant most commanded, they turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Isn't that good news? I'll tell you, the house of God, I like what, uh, I think it's 1 Timothy 3, uh, verse 16 says, uh, but it talks about this, and, I, and maybe I'm misquoting this, and if I am, forgive me, but you can look this up for yourself. Uh, you can search it out for yourself. What do you want to do? But the Bible says that the house of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church of God, is the pillar and ground of truth today. Why did we say that? Because it is the protection against deception that's in the earth or in the world today. And that's what it should be. The house of God is the pillar and ground of truth. And so I think it's very important today as believers, as Christians, that we begin to say, you know, I'm not just coming to attend and to hear something I'm coming to exalt the word so that I might do it. Oftentimes, people come to church to hear a message. I like to go to church to see what I need to do. Do you know the true definition of the church of the ecclesia, which is actually called the kahal from the Hebrew word, actually means the called out and assembled people of God to hear and to act for God. Not just the called out people, like we have memonized it, and even by definition, have removed a lot of the definition. But if you study that out, you'll find out the word kahal, which is the Hebrew word for the word church, is actually, uh, which we also from the Greek get the word ecclesia from. It means to call out and assemble people of God to hear the word, to hear the word, and then to act. So we don't come to church to attend church. We come to church to hear a message or to, to worship God. We come to present ourselves before God with an innumerable company of angels to exalt and to magnify and to praise God that we might hear the word spoken, that we might go and do the words that we heard. Isn't that something? God told Joshua, says, remember those things which you were told and what you were taught. That you might do them, that you might, wherever you go, you're going to prosper. If you'll follow those things, you'll do it. And then he goes on to say, verse 8, this book 
of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Just for a second here, I just want to just make sure that we understand who's talking to Joshua right now. Who's talking to Joshua right now? God's talking to Joshua right now, isn't he? God's talking to Joshua right now. That's the will of God. God's talking to Joshua right now. God's doing that. And I think that's important for us to understand today. God's telling Joshua, you follow the things that Moses taught you. Do the things that you have heard, that you might observe them, according to the will of God, according to the word of God, and meditate in these things. Meditate in the word. Meditate in the things that you have heard, that you've been taught. Meditate on these things. Think on these things. Then, he says, then you'll make your way. Then you'll find your way. Then you'll make your way. Isn't that something? Then you'll make your way. Then you will have. Then you will make your way. Then you will have. Then you will find. You will make and you will find. You will make and then you will have. Isn't that good news? Think about that. Why? Because now you're not going to be moved by what you see. You're not going to be moved by just the the noise. Sometimes even between our own two ears. Sometimes that's going on around us and through bad information, through others. Come on, are you with me for a minute? I I don't want to go too far with this, but my thought is, is I believe... If we'll understand the will of God and understand how God works in his ways. What if God tells me to do this? Well, maybe you've already learned that. And maybe God is saying you need to observe it and to do it. Because you've been taught it. Because God has already spoken that. Well, God didn't speak it to me. God's speaking to you right now. Think about that. God's speaking to me. God's speaking to my wife. God's speaking to us. That we may do these things. That we may follow these ways. Why? Because God has your best in mind. He wants to see you make your way and to find and to have the good success that he has intended for us to have in life. Now that he might bring to pass the covenant and the promises that he has made towards us. Towards our households, our families. Towards his church. Isn't that good news? I tell you, if we'll get a hold of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Do you know, inside this Bible is the means and the ways to build business, to build a family, to build a man and build a woman. Do you know it's full of all of these things that you need personally? To make your way prosperous and that you will find and have good success in these areas if we will take a hold of them, meditate on them, to do them, to perform them, to act on them. Because when you begin to make that step forward, God's going to follow. I'm telling you what, when you start to make that step forward, God finds finds you. He finds, um, there's something begins to transpire when people begin to, within themselves, 
within their mouth, within their mind, and then their actions begin to turn that direction. God begins to show himself strong on their behalf. The Bible says that his eyes go to and fro throughout the world to show himself to the hearts, to those whose hearts are upright before him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. But did you know he also realizes those who are just like the children of Israel speaking against that which he has promised. Talking foolishly, if I can say it like that, foolishly, Proverbs talks about this. I used to do a study with the high school students back in the United States uh, where I taught Bible in, in school. And, and I did a whole thing on wisdom and foolishness. And a fool is one who hears but rejects the knowledge that comes from God and then lives out his own life, his own way, the way he sees it. Remember, man didn't create one resource today that we have. Not reality. That everything that you have today, everything you drove, drove here on today and in was already here. We just put it together. God gave us the means and the ability to put it together. How long did it take for us to even figure that out? Think about it. Generation after generation after generation. It's already been here. And there's so much more that we haven't even discovered yet. That's already here that we not even tapped into those resources that God has. And it's throughout the whole universe. There's so much and it's so big. And I believe God is wanting to show himself strong towards men and women today and whose hearts are right. Come on, do we have the right stuff like Joshua? Verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be confused, dismayed, disheartened, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. Isn't that so good? I love that. So when we are walking in faith, when we're walking in the promise, when we're walking in the covenant, we're walking in right fellowship, right relationship, we're keeping our heart right, we're watching over our mind, we're, we're guarding our tongue, we put a bridle over our mouth. When we're guarding those things because we know the truth, we've received the knowledge of God and we have acted and we're participating in the things that God has spoken and we're walking in that way and we're doing what we know to do to the level of revelation and the knowledge that we have. We know that God is with us. We don't have to be afraid. Why? Because we performed his word. Because we believe him. We don't have to be dismayed. We don't have to be confused because it's not happening in our time. It's not, we're not seeing it yet. Now, what do we do? We stand strong. We be courageous in those times. And we say, glory to God. God is going to bring it to pass. Remember, I'm the believer. Come on, you're the believer. He's the performer. Think about it. We believe God. We act. We perform his word. We do his word. And then God brings the increase. God brings the harvest. Isn't that good news? And then we got to be bold and courageous to reap it too. I said we got to be bold and courageous to reap that harvest too. It's not about our worth. It's about his glory. Did you get that? 
Sure, oftentimes the world will tell you, yeah, well, you deserve it. You deserve a, a new life. You deserve a new wife. You deserve a new this. You deserve a new that. That's not the kind of worth we're talking about. He created all of these things because, yeah, he saw you and, and, he, and he loves you and he loves your, his creation. All of these wonderful things. But the worldly view of worth is so much different than God's view. And our lives are to bring him glory and honor because he did create all things. Without him, we would have nothing. We wouldn't even exist today. And God created us so we might reveal and have fellowship with him and reveal him to everyone else that's in the world today. You know, I, I think it's so important that we see these things. Now, you know, I, I really want to get over, I wanted to emphasize this understanding because it takes courage to follow God. It takes courage to serve the Lord. And I want to, this morning, begin to look at some, look in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. Hebrews 10, 36. No, first, let's go to Hebrews 4, verse 1. I want to I reiterate something just for a moment here. Hebrews 4, verse 1. And Hebrews 4, verse 1 said, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us, of not entering into his rest, any of you should come watch short of it. So the Bible says, let us fear. You know, one of the things I think is important today, I could talk about the fear of God, but the, because the fear of God is your personal accountability. Put it this way. There's a lot of things I don't do that I might feel like I want to do that my mind tells me I, I, can, I can do, my flesh wants to do, but I don't do because I fear the Lord privately. Are you hearing me? Personal accountability is the fear of God. The fear of God will keep you from saying certain things, thinking certain things, acting certain ways. Personal accountability is the fear of God. There'll be things that you'll say, I'm not doing. Why? Because God's watching. God's with me. God's right here. I'm not, you know, there's a lot of things that you wouldn't do right now in that church seat. Why? Because you're here in church. But that same kind of attitude ought to take you in your car, in your home. And Are you with me? Everywhere you go. Why? Because God is going, I'm with you wherever you go. The fear of God tells you, I'm not going to talk like that. I'm not going to behave that way. I'm not going to think like that. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to entertain that. Why? Because the fear of God says, God, you are. I belong to you. I want to honor you. The Bible says that we honor God even with our body. We honor him with our minds. So we're talking about having a fear of not entering in. Why? Because think about this. The children of Israel didn't enter in because they didn't fear God. They didn't mix in their heart that place of faith. And they were very quick to begin to talk against what God had said. Even how God had led them. Oftentimes they would say things like, you know, God hates us. He brought us out here to destroy us. Look at the enemies round about us. Look at what we don't have. Look at all of these things that's, that's going on in our life. And they would talk like that. You know, I don't think that God is pleased with that kind of 
actions. How many believe God is pleased with that kind of I don't think he is. I still don't think he is today, no matter if we're in the New Testament church under grace and mercy. Are you hearing me? He's still not, he's still not happy with that. No matter how you want to slice it. And this is what keeps many of his people from entering into the very best things that God has for them to walk in the supernatural blessing of God. So we need to say, you know what? If the New Testament right here tells us we need to fear lest we promise being left us from entering into this rest, you know what that means? Can I just help you with this just thought for a moment? I, I love this understanding. What is rest? When we think of rest, we think of putting our feet up, you know, hitting the, hitting the recline button on the chair or whatever, you know, rolling that back a little bit, maybe getting, you know, some snacks and a little bit of, you know, a movie and chilling out, huh? That's what we think about rest. That's not what he's talking about, rest. Rest is, rest is different. And I want you to look in verse 10. Look in, look in Hebrews 10, uh, 10. And it tells us something really strong here. And I, this, is, this is so important for us as believers today to hear uh, in verse 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. Let me get there real quick. Some of you are probably already there. Hebrews 10, 10 says, By the which will we are sanctified. Am I in the right place? I'm sorry, 110. Hebrews 110, sorry. Hebrews 110, I messed up. I'm like, man, that doesn't sound right. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10. Let me look at my notes real quick just to make sure I'm doing what's right. Sorry, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. Man, I'm messing up this one real bad. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. I'm like, man, this isn't right either. I know this scripture. I could quote it better than I can tell you where it's located at. But Hebrews 4, 10. Sorry, guys. They're probably all back there going, man, he is, you know, it's a good test today. Um, Hebrews 4, 10. For he that is entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Verse 11, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall of the same example of unbelief. So we saw that in the first verse it says, let us fear, lest we, a promise being left to us from entering in to that, that place that God desires us to as, as a believer today. Verse 10 says, for he that has entered into his rest. What does it mean to enter into rest? Well, think about this. Again, we're not talking about putting your feet up, getting a movie, and having you know, a break, so to speak, for your, for your mind and your body. We're talking about a place of entering into a place of faith, trust in God. This rest that we're called to labor, verse 11 says, labor to enter into this rest. So there's a labor to enter into rest. What does it mean to labor to enter into rest? Labor to enter into a place that you believe God, like Joshua and Caleb did. They believed God. They saw everything else that everybody else saw, but they had Faith, they had rested that the promise of God that God had made was able to cause them to receive the things that God had said. They were able to enter in and defeat their enemies, to fulfill the things that God said, that they had received that land. It was theirs. So the labor that we enter into is to believe God to a place that even when you don't see it, you have it. You've received it. And you, when you enter into that place, you're at rest. How do you know? When you're worrying about it, you're not resting. How do you know you've not rested? You've entered into faith in this area because you're still worried about it. If you're worried about it, you need to labor to enter into rest. This is a work we have to do to enter into walk by faith and not by sight. 
to enter into the place that God says, I have promised you, therefore enter into it. So we labor to enter into that place of promise. We enter into that place of blessing. We enter into the place that what God has said about us. When God said, I have redeemed you from the curse of the law, I've redeemed you from that. Well, we can enter into rest. So we have the righteousness. We have obtained the righteousness of God by Christ Jesus. We've obtained that. It belongs to us. We're not trying to earn it. We have to receive it and believe God for it. I tell you, when I got a revelation of his righteousness, I stopped trying to perform my good works to quit trying to do right. I just trusted in the righteousness of God and I stopped wanting to do wrong. Does this make sense? It was a lot easier because now I'm entering into that place of righteousness. God made me right. I am righteous. I'm not trying to become righteousness or righteous before God. I have been made righteous. Now I'm going to walk in that place of righteousness. You know, it's so much easier to walk in righteous, a righteous place than it is to try to become righteous. Because when you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior... And you, and you ask him to forgive you of your sin. The Bible says he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good news? So now you're in right standing with God, perfect as if you've never sinned before. Isn't that beautiful? So we have to lay aside the ideology and our flesh and our mind that tells you, no, this is who you are. This is your character. You, you, can't, you can't be free from this. You, you, you're, you're what you were in your past. No, you're not. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And so today, you're not trying to become new. You are new. You are the righteousness of God. And if you were to stumble and sin and falter, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who will cleanse you from all unrighteousness, who will forgive you of sin. Just You've got to get back up and keep walking in that place of righteousness. You're going to falter and you're going to fail, but let the fear of God be in that place so you can repent quickly. and, and, And listen, when you begin to do that, you're going to find that he's going to bring to you this unction and this thought real, just kind of subtly and gently. He's going to go, yeah, uh, don't, don't let your emotions get so carried away that you just lose self-control and you just start you know, acting in the flesh. Be quiet. Shut your mouth. Are you with me? That's how he kind of talks to me. Be quiet. Okay. Think about it. Now, don't let my mind continue in it either. So what do we do? What are we doing? Well, we're acting on the guard of our spirit and our mind, which is the Holy Spirit within us, which is that righteous place. So we might walk in that place and live in that place. You see, when you enter into faith, you enter and once you've entered in, you can rest and you and you quit worrying. You start putting off the worry and the care. And sometimes it happens because we become impatient. We become, anybody ever be, just become impatient because, you know, you've acted in faith, you've, you've done the will of God, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you're wondering, God, where is what you said? Huh? Has anybody ever felt like that before? You know, I know I have, and sometimes I've tried to take things in my own hands because I get impatient. I've done that before. I tell you, I have received things from God in the Spirit supernaturally by faith, received something in the Spirit, and then because I was eagerly impatient and wanting to see it come to pass, 
I went out and compromised on the thing to try to hurry God up because it wasn't happening fast enough. Now I need to get in there and help him bring this supernatural thing into my life to pass. So I'm out there trying to make it happen, trying to make it bring, come, and, and, and then I, I, make a, I make a big mess out of it. That's what happens when we become impatient. You know, the Bible tells us, and Peter says, add to your faith patience. And it even says, let patience have her perfect work, oh, that you might be entire and wanting nothing. I like that. Great promise. Not easy to do. Jesus, help me. <laughs> it's not easy to do, is it? Huh? We're real good at going, okay, God, I'm giving you full control, but I'm going to just tell you how to get there. Hmm? It's kind of like uh, me when I ride with my wife. I'm not going to turn around, baby. But, um, you know, she's driving, which she hardly ever does. But, I mean, with me in the car. But my point is, is, you know, I'm probably a bad backseat driver. Uh, are you are really close to the curb? Uh, you know, watch that. There, uh, there's a better parking space over there. You know, uh, why do you got to turn here? Why don't you go straight? Anybody else like that? All right. Thank you. Thank you, brother, for being honest. Appreciate that. <laughs> I know I am. And, and it's like, <laughs> say, yeah, that's right. Um, but <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's, it's like that with God oftentimes. We're like, yeah, but God, you know, huh? this should have been better if you'd done that like 10 years ago. Huh? Hey, God, you know, my way is a little bit better than your way in this area. Just, I'm just letting you know. Why? Because we become impatient with the timing and the process that God has us on to bring to pass his perfect will. To make you entire, complete, and wanting nothing. We have to learn to enter into a rest that God has our best at heart and in mind. That we have to say, you know what, God, I'm going to stop just being so impatient. I'm going to walk in rest. I'm going to get into this rest, and I'm going to stay in that place. And we're going to learn something. How do you stay in that place and not stumble? Romans 4.17 says this. I love the passage of Scripture, Romans 4.17 through 22 the Bible's talking about Abraham, how he had received the promise, and he, he believed God. You know, the Bible says that when you believe God, it's counted unto you for righteousness. And you see, that's how we are born again, because we believe God, Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. We become the righteousness of God. How do you live out that righteousness? You continue to believe God. We believe God. Well, my circumstance says this, but the word of God says something else. And oftentimes we're being moved by what we see instead of believing what God has said. I want to show you something. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. And it says this. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed God, who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Do you see that? Who against hope believed in hope. That he might become what? The father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. I love this next verse. And being not weak in faith. So he's entered into rest. He's coming to a place of rest. He's not weak in faith. What did, what did God tell Joshua? Be strong and very courageous. So the Bible says in Abraham and not being weak in faith... He, he considered not his own body, now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
He staggered not at the promise through what unbelief, the Bible says, but was what? Strong in faith, giving glory to God. One of the ways that we learn not to stumble out of rest is we have to learn to, one, believe God, believe God, believe that over what you see, what's going on, even what others tell you. Listen, there's sometimes you might have a well-intended believer fill your mind or some idea with something that actually draws you out of the very plan and purpose that God has you in and walking in. Well-intended, but not necessarily being moved by the Spirit. Anything that causes you to draw away from that, and sometimes it's so that, you know, God's ready to fulfill that impatient desire, you know, and that you've been meditating on and wanting and saying, oh God, oh God, oh God. And next thing, some well-intended believer says, hey, I think God's going to do a new thing right now. Let's just move into that. Just go, are you with me? And you're like, you know what? Let's just get out of the path that God has us on. Let's just go get it. I've done that. And it never ends well. It never accomplishes the thing that God had brought to pass or is saying to do. Are you hearing me right now? We need to have patience. Abraham considered not. The Bible says he considered not his own body, neither yet even Sarah's womb, which could not bring to pass naturally, scientifically, the thing that God had promised. He didn't even consider it. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what God had said, what God had spoken, he was also able to perform. Isn't that something? Where are you today with this? Think about that. You see, Abraham, after receiving the promise, he gave God the glory, and he waited till he saw it. He continued till he received it. He continued giving God the glory for it till he received it, till he saw it and, and had it. But he had to see it first with the word. He had to see it in the same eyes that God had saw it in. He had to see it in the place of believing God and in faith. He had to see it first before he experienced it. He had to see it in the spirit before he saw it in the natural. But he had to say it as well. He had to stand in it and believe God. Even when he was impatient, did he make mistakes? We know he made a mistake. We know him and Sarah both. They made a mistake. They faltered. They failed. They, 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 they did the th wrong thing. But guess what they did? Instead of staying in the place of stumbling, they corrected themselves and repented and got right with God and did what God said and believed him to a point they wouldn't consider anything else. Think about that. Isn't that beautiful? Look in Hebrews chapter 10 real quick. We have to have the right stuff. And that, that's that, that, the stuff comes from hearing the word, believing the word, standing in that place and give God the glory for it. Get it in your spirit. Get it in your mouth. Get it into your mind. Act on it. Hebrews 10, 36 says this. It says, right, well, let's go to 35 and then we'll go to 36. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. There is benefit in staying faithful to what God has spoken instead of being moved out of your place 
because of inopportunity, because of a feeling of whatever, because of what you see. He says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense or reward. Verse 36, for you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For you need of patience, that after you have done the will of God. Do you see that? Do you see the connection? You need patience after you've done the will of God. When you've said, okay, God, I'm setting out to walk by faith. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to receive the things. I'm going to act in these areas. I'm going to do this. I'm going to act on the word. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to pray what you said. See, one of the important things is pray out the word of God that God has spoken over your family, over your body, over your business, over your life, and, and pray that out and say that out and believe on it and meditate on it. Think on it. When God said to Joshua, he said, you're going to go in, you're going to possess this land. He said, what you put your hand to, you're going to prosper. He says, if, you, if you'll keep this word in your spirit, you're going to have what I've spoken. You're going to receive that promise. You're going to obtain it. You're going to walk in it. You're going to receive it. You're going to experience it naturally. You're going to have it naturally. You're going to eat of that fruit. You're going to drink of that milk. You're going to build that house. You're going to do those things. You're going to have those things, but you're going to have to receive it first in your spirit before you begin to experience it and you're going to have to have strength and courage to walk it out and to be patient because I'm bringing it to you in the right time and the right way and it's going to come to pass. Don't lose hope. Don't walk away from it. Don't give up. Don't quit. You're going to have to be strong and courageous to enter into my rest and you can stand there and give me the glory because it's going to come to pass and that will keep you from stumbling and faltering and falling out and quitting and backing off and being discouraged and being dis- made. If you'll just stand in that place, give him the glory for what he has spoken and what he has said, because it will come to pass. He's faithful that's promised. Isn't that good news today? Glory to God. I love that. Look in verse 37. It says, for yet a little while. Oh, Lord, another little while. And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. I'm telling you now, listen, God's about to show up in somebody's life in some, in some areas that you've been standing in and believing in and you've been speaking, you've been sowing, you've been praying, you've been believing God, you've been thinking on it, you've been saying, God, I know it's your will. God, win, oh God, oh win, oh glory to God. I believe there's something that's about to take place in some people's lives here. If you'll just not back off. Verse 38, now the just shall live by faith. Or maybe we could say just live by faith. Faith is not a wish and maybe and it could be and a hope, you know. It's knowing what God has spoken. It's hearing and believing what God has said. You have obeyed the will of God. That means you acted on that even when it was a subtle thing, maybe in prayer, in profession, in agreement with what God has spoken and putting your hand to something and starting that, doing that or whatever it might be. You're going to have to stand in that. You're going to say glory to God. I've obeyed. That was the will of God. I'm believing God right now in that area. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. I don't know how you're going to do it. I've done everything I know to do. I've obeyed you in this area. I'm going to enter into rest. I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm not going to struggle with all of this stuff anymore. I'm going to believe you. And God, I know you're going to bring it to pass in Jesus' name. Some people say, wait a minute. Does that mean I just need to sit on the couch and do nothing? That's not what I said. You stay, you stay in that place of faith. You keep on just believing God. Sometimes all you can do is just give him the glory for it. And you just stay in steady in what you began to do. And you just stay in steady and walking in the promised land. You stay in steady walking around that wall of Jericho seven days without talking because God said to do it that way. 
And so you just keep doing what he said. You don't quit doing what he said. You keep doing what he said. You don't stop till you see it. Are you hearing me? Listen to this. Verse 38, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, shrink back, some translation says, my soul, speaking God talking here, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. But of them that believe even to the saving of the soul. That's your mind, will, and emotions right there. We're talking about believing God. Even when our imagination, and you know, the Bible says to love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your soul. Very unique that he said that. Remember, I, I taught on this here a little while back. I just kind of mentioned it. We need to learn to love God in our imagination. Love God with our thoughts. Love God with our soul. What is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. Your mind is your thought life, your imaginations. When we begin to imagine vain things and we begin to think on things that others are saying that are out there that are, that are talking against certain things that God can do, what God is doing in his church, in your life, in your family, when others and other things start rising up and, and it looks like even the world and the enemy's coming against you in so many different ways, you need to not begin to imagine the evil part that could happen, the possibility of all of those things, how it's going to destroy, how it's going to bring you down, how it's impossible to bring that to pass. When the doctor tells you, well, you can't help it. This is all the way it's going to be. You're going to be that way forever. You need to cast down imaginations that start to form in your mind. You need to begin to say, God, I thank you today. You created me. God, you know me. you got a plan for me. And in the name of Jesus Christ, that's not the end of my story. And we're going to begin to say and believe what God has said and see what God says. For healing is a children's bread and I'm receiving it today in Jesus' name. We're going to walk in healing. You say, well, I don't know if that's for God. What God does in the spirit will ultimately manifest in the natural. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. It is the thing in which God says, and not like what Abraham said, and if we go back to Romans 4, I'm not going to go there, just stay where you're at. But he said, he called those things that be not like God. He called those things that be not as though they were. So he was not moved by what he saw, because what he saw was not what God had said. But when you begin to see what God sees, and you begin to say it as God has revealed it to you, according to how you have seen it because of what you heard, then all of a sudden that gets on the inside of your spirit and you begin to not look at what you see, you begin to look at what God has said and you begin to say, well, that's the way that's going to be. That's the end of that story right there, glory to God. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. My business is going to prosper. My family is going to serve God. Satan, you don't have the hold of my mind over my family, over our business, over my body in the name of Jesus. And you begin to say what God says. You enter in, but we don't draw back. Oh, well, yeah, but, you know. We've got to be courageous. Abraham was strong in faith. He didn't consider his own body, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's room, even, even her body. You know, sometimes you can't do everything by yourself. You can't. Isn't that a beautiful thing, though? God makes you rely on Somebody else. But we're so selfish oftentimes. We think we know better. We can do better. Huh? Sometimes an employee would treat their boss like that. 
Not saying that the employee doesn't have something he can do or should do or she should do or say or whatever. But listen to me. Sometimes we get in our mind and we start saying things we shouldn't say. Instead of learning how the wisdom of God will teach us how to interact and how to bring things to pass. But we're called to work together. I tell you, it's so important today. So important in families. You know, if you're married today, your husband's not against you. Your wife's not against you as much as the devil's trying to tell you, tell you that. You need to come together with Christ in the center with the fear of God in the middle of that relationship and begin to talk to each other the way you're supposed to talk to each other in the fear of God and in love. Love, if you look in 1 Corinthians 13, if you would take upon your own self to start acting in that place of 1 Corinthians 13, you'll find out that that's going to work on your partner too. Even the Bible says that. And teaches us, even, even an unbeliever today will be turned if they, if, by your good conversation, by, by the manner of life and the way you live, your spouse can even be turned to God. And they'll be like, man, God's in you. Isn't that good news? Praise the Lord. Look at Hebrews 11. Keep going. Now, we put chapter and verse in there, so I'm going to end with, don't worry, I'm going to end real quick. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. You see that? It's evidence. Because you have faith, it's the evidence that God wants to bring that to pass in your life. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I didn't even get through half my message today. But it's the evidence of things not seen. That's why I do series. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Isn't that good news? Because God's given you faith. He's revealed something to you by his word and his spirit. And he's revealing something to you. And he's given you faith for that. Is the evidence... It's the evidence. It's the evidence. That's evidence. It's more proof than what you see. Because everything you see is temporal and subject to be changed. It can be changed. It's changing all the time. Our, our ability to, to discover the new resources and the things that's already here is happening all the time. You're going to begin to discover that what you don't see right now, the evidence of what God wants to bring to pass in your life is going to come to you by the hearing of his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's going to come to you and you're going to hear that and he's going to speak to your spirit. It's going to, it's going to, from the word of God, it's going to resonate into your heart and in your mind. And then as you begin to act on that, in, 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 listen, some things is, is corporate, some things has got some personal areas in it, but it all results ultimately in the glorification of God and the building of his kingdom. He's kind of worked it out like that. That's the big picture of everything. And yes, all of us are going to benefit personally and our families from all of these wonderful things, but we also need to teach our families and, and, and have an understanding of the big picture. Praise the Lord. I tell you, it's so important today. The Bible says the life that we talk about, of, when, I'm, when I refer to this area, the life of faith is a life of courage and strength. Because we have to have courage and strength to walk in it. See, when you begin to call the things that God has said, that it is, think about this. 
When you begin to call the things that God has said as it is, and not looking or considering that which, if it's not what God has said as being the end result or the outcome, if you begin to look at what God has said and you begin to call it, you begin to say it is rather than what you see, what you feel. And begin to consider that. We need to consider. That's what the word meditate. Consider. Meditate. Think upon. Consider what God has said. Begin to say what God has said. What God has put into your spirit. What God is revealing to you for your family. For your personal life. For your health. For, for the outcomes. Are you? Come on. You begin to say that. You begin to go glory to God. God I see my body right now healed in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Why? Because you did that. I didn't do it. God, you, you, I'm going to believe you for supernatural. And doctors have done everything they can do. Glory to God. I've taken all the medicine, all that kind of thing. You know, but you know what, God? There's something supernatural that could take place in my body right now, right where I'm sitting today, right here, right in this moment. Thank you for listening to today. If you're wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.